0: What's interesting is listening to you you all, to your all's perspective, like uh, Molly, uh, from your perspective on when you and Trent started talking, uh, and Trent's perspective on, and so it reminds me that there's three sides to every story. There's this side. There's that side. And then there's the objective truth.
1: And then there's Steve in the middle.
0: And then there's Steve in the middle with the objective truth. So that's really what this podcast is all about: is the truth. All right.
1: Don't get preachy so on us, Steve.
0: Yes. ha ah.
2: Your youth group pastor is showing, go, Steve. I,
0: I can I can go Appalachia here. Uh, and it's Appalachia, not Appalachian. It's how you can tell someone who's who's not local. Um. So. In my role at School of the Arts, we, what I'd like to do is, as we proceed through this, is so many times language uh, separates or causes us to lose meaning. And so um, I will give qualifiers throughout our conversation as to here's what I mean by creator, here's what I mean by God, or here's what I mean by Christ. And so I'll give those along the way. But uh, but what I'm about to share needs no qualifiers other than to say, sitting in my role at School of the Arts, uh, I had this opportunity uh, where our student orientation leaders um, had, had become this group of, of people who were just being given busy work for the sake of doing work. And the group was called, uh, they were called SOLs. Now, your mind can go a lot of different places when you hear SOL, (laughs) uh, but this stood for student orientation leader, but it oftentimes resembled the other meanings of SOL uh, because a group would just be given busy work and and no real intentionality behind what they were doing. And so uh, at that point, uh, my supervisor at work had said, hey, would you be willing to take over this group Um, and and because I was coming in with more experience than what the role required, my director gave me a lot of freedom uh, in my work. And so the freedom that I was given with the SOLs was really just to go all the way down to ground zero and let's, let's rebuild. And so, um, so I found a few students on campus who I, who I thought got the importance or the value of what really needs to happen on opening day. And that group uh, said, we want to rename it, and they played around with a lot of names, and they came up with this name called The Welcome Squad. And The Welcome Squad, I thought, that is the worst name ever. It will never stick. (laughs) And it became the highlight of my 20-year career in higher ed, uh, a name that I never thought would make it, so lesson learned there. And so this group became the Welcome Squad, and the Welcome Squad was a group of 18 to 25 students, the number didn't really matter, where it was about uh, a community where they could put, individuals on this team, could put their needs on the shelf for a couple of weeks and really come together for the good um, of, uh, of a mission and purpose of welcoming and making students because... Uh, when we talk about one of the worst feelings that a person can experience is lack of belonging or acceptance, the welcome squad got how stressful uh, the first week of college can be. And so from that, um, what what I quickly learned was my role wasn't to necessarily invest some curriculum, program, ideology into this group, but to really just hold back um, hold back uh, all the interference and noise and just let this group be, and from that, great things would happen. And it, it really was an experiment that you guys were a part of, and I didn't know it was an experiment. You didn't know it, it was an experiment. But here we are five and ten years later, and we still hear from people who, who were on those teams. Uh, that that version of the Welcome Squad ran from 2000 and. Twelve, Molly. What was your senior year? Twenty
1: nineteen.
0: So up to around 2019 well, twenty
1: nineteen was twenty eighteen, I guess, in the fall. Yeah.
0: So so that twenty eighteen, that two thousand twelve to two thousand eighteen, was was the embodiment of that, and that was where the two of you met. Trent was. Um, you have on the Welcome Squad. You have two uh, upperclassmen leaders. Now at School of the Arts, we. We don't use freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior. We use first year, second year, third year, fourth year. I don't know why, but if you hear us mention that through any point of the podcast when we're talking about a third year, it's not a cult. It's just how School of the (laughs) Arts goes, oh, you're third year in the cult. Okay. (laughs) And so the Welcome Squad was kind of cult-like, and I'm kidding. Nobody gave blood sacrifices. Um well, and my mind just went a million different places there because I think of all the unique individuals who served on the Welcome Squad. But Trent and Molly meet each other. And and as I as I would observe team dynamics and things, there was a moment where, in my mind, as a former youth pastor, because it happens a lot when you're a youth pastor, you see um, romantic affections begin to develop. And so when I saw Molly... <laughs> Cross Trent's path on the welcome squad, and Trent was in the decision making process for assembling the team, so he and another student um, that we love dearly they put together uh, that specific year's team and that was two thousand and seventeen uh, fall two thousand seventeen yeah, yeah. Uh, when we would we would take everyone's um, We'll call it a headshot, but their photo, and we would put them on this dry erase board, and we would say, what does this look like? And sometimes we would say, this student needs the team. Let's get them on the team, and sometimes the team needs that student. And so it was always this this mix. And every year there would be, I don't know how it would happen, but, but dancers would come in in pairs, and there was this pair that came in. It was Molly and her friend. And just remembering, um, I would tend to get, when these dancers would come in in pairs, I would get their names mixed up. And so I would always have to keep Molly and her friend differentiated. And so all of a sudden, uh, I thought that I saw some bubbles popping up over Trent's head uh, during that time. But it wasn't confirmed until one day I walked into a local coffee shop, which is known for their uh, chicken biscuits. And I was walking in with a friend who was visiting from out of town, and there sit sit Trent and Molly having breakfast. And I was like, oh, my goodness, it's true. (laughs) Everything that I had thought may be happening here. And so, sure enough, uh, word begins to make it into my office that Trent and Molly are talking. And so they're talking, (laughs) and so Trent and I... Uh, because he had been, um, especially because of his role leading the Welcome Squad, I spent a lot of uh, uh, additional time with whoever's heading up the Welcome Squad each year. And so Trent and I had bonded. And I knew because Molly had said to me on more than one occasion that I reminded her of her dad, which always creeped me out because I never considered myself old enough to be a college student's parent. <laughs> and she would tell me how I reminded. And so it, it comes up because we never discuss this unless a student initiate it, Molly brings up that she's from a faith-based background, uh, a Christian background. And so when I see, and, it, and that conversation had never come up with Trent. It just hadn't come up, and, and by now it would have come up, and I'm thinking to myself, we're about to have an unequally yoked couple. No, I didn't oh, think that at Lord. all. <laughs> I
1: also and just so, want to point out that we were at the coffee shop because Steve told me to reach out to Trent because he wanted me to lead the Welcome Squad the next year. So yes. I was not there for anything else but to talk to Trent about the Welcome Squad. Oh, well, I totally you thought you,
0: thought you
1: so the I was <laughs> <It's> not.
2: <laughs> Which is what I was like. And oh, really it was just okay. me playing matchmaker. No, I'm kidding. I Maybe. wasn't. Well, <laughs> hey, I mean, almost four years later.
0: <laughs> well, there we go. Well, and the thing is, Molly, did you learn everything that you needed to learn uh, from Trent, or are you still learning, and that's why you're in Austin, Texas, together? And, <laughs> and uh, I said shint. Trent's shaking his head. No, I don't know what a shint is. S H E N T. But anyway, a so, shinsplit. So, but yeah, a shint. Splint. <laughs> so, but here's here's where I'm going with all of that. I knew, to Molly's point earlier, that if someone has come from a faith-based um, background. Uh, even if it's a spiritual background, even if it's something you know, uh, other religions or just spiritual, like this would become. I had I had lived long enough and had been friends with enough folks to know that at some point those pieces, uh, those pieces become a factor in the relationship. And so I reached out to Trent as I as word was eventually making it in after the chicken biscuits uh, that that you guys were talking. And I had never done this, and this was me kind of stepping out on a ledge, was I uh, met with Trent one morning, and I remember specifically sitting in my office um, in, uh, on campus, and I said to Trent, Trent, at some point um, I want to tell you uh, or I want to let you know that I would imagine if I'm Molly's parents and I know what I know about the dynamics here, that faith is going to become a sticking point in this relationship. And at some point, Molly's dad, who I had connected with, is going to reach out to me and say, is this guy a thumbs up or a thumbs down? Isn't it interesting that we get to put thumbs up and thumbs down on people? But anyway, that's a later (laughs) episode as well. And so all of that to say, uh, it was one of the most beautiful moments that I'd had at School of the Arts when I looked at Trent and said, hey— This could become a sticking point, and I just want to put it out there. You don't have to respond. You don't have to say anything to me, but I feel out of my love for Molly and my love for you that I just want to put that out there. And Trent, being Trent in that moment, pauses, blinks his eyes a couple of times. You have to know Trent. And with with well-thought-out language, Trent says, I... Care enough about her that I am open to whatever is out there. and I begin to tear up because I never cry. I'm being sarcastic there, and I'm like, that's enough. that's enough. And uh, from that moment, and I think that 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 conversation, your all's relationship may be uh, the the poster child for this entire conversation, and that is... Um, that this isn't, you ascribe to this or you don't. You either believe this, you sign up for this, or you don't. Um, that, that I don't know that, that that's how this whole thing is intended. When I say this whole thing, life, the universe is intended. Uh, and so I wanted to share that, that, uh, that we could include that somewhere in here, because watching your all's path together uh, has been fun and entertaining uh, to watch. (laughs) I say that in Trent looks really concerned right now. Did you see how Trent got really nervous right there, Molly? And Molly is just like laughing her head off and Trent's like, what? (laughs) This is entertaining? I haven't really
1: been looking at him.
0: (laughs) So anyway, so there's, there's that. Um, And that's, that's what I'm excited to, um, those type of conversations. Um are why I'm excited to be a part of this with you all uh, so that we can share and and invite others into uh, these types of conversations.
1: Yeah, and I think it goes back to what you had said, Steve, at the beginning where you're talking about not either or, but yes and. And I think that like our relationship, Trent and I, has helped me grow in all the ways that I just talked about with my faith um because I was open to even though I had many moments and Steve knows because I called him in a panic many times about like you know am I doing the right thing like this isn't I'm not supposed to date the person who's not sure about God you know
0: Mm. yeah yeah and it's and what's interesting to me, like I appreciate like what 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 I don't speak to in this, and I think it I think it deserves and and needs to be mentioned is Molly's openness, like you're just as open on this as Trent is,
1: yeah, which right? I didn't and i know. and I think
0: that's the key,
1: yeah, and I didn't know that I was really, or I think I was waiting to feel like I was allowed to be open which kind of goes back to the performative religion type thing because I was very much the I'm going to do all the things I'm going to check all the boxes and um and then that means I'm I'm good
2: yeah and and with all that you know that that openness in me I think you really brought out to you, you you helped dial it up to a 10 in a way because um, I had grown up around, I had seen examples of people being like all that church stuff, like that's, that's phony baloney. They're just passing around the offering plate so that the pastor can, you know, go have a steak dinner. And I knew that I wasn't coming from that place exactly. But when I looked around at what was, immediately close to me in terms of the way that people practice faith and spirituality and religion in, you know, these buildings that we go into on Sunday morning, I was seeing time and time again that it became less about the message and less about a relationship with this higher power and how do we become more ourselves and how do we love each other more every day. And it was more like seeing, I don't know, like feudal feudalism and politics and shame and uh, leveraging, leveraging this like divine thing in a way that it's not meant to be. Like you said, Steve, it's like drawing a exactly. Prius on the Bonneville Salt Flats. And I was like, well, I don't think that's yeah. what it's all about, but I don't know what it is about. Well, and I had already been primed, I think, to ask questions like that um, because I grew up uh, briefly, uh, I was like four years old and grew up in Japan. And while my dad was working, Uh, my mom and I just like traveled all around uh, the main island of Japan going to all of these like temples and shrines and seeing Shinto and Buddhism uh, at that young age like I have bits and pieces of you know visual recollection of it but I think it worked on me in a way that I couldn't unsee what was beyond you know my smallish North Carolina town and that very specific version of belief and so I didn't even know it Uh, yeah Um, and I didn't even realize this was happening but uh, I think you know as I was talking to people even in middle school who were kind of starting to get more and more involved in the kind of youth group scene and I, I I don't think I ever attacked any of my friends for you know what they believed in and where they were at. But I started to bring in a lot of questions around like, oh, you know, if God is infinite, then there are all these, like there are all these possibilities that we haven't even talked about or haven't even thought about. And like, have you considered this, 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 and this? And, um, I don't know. I, I don't feel like those conversations went anywhere, but I was thinking about that at like a middle school age. And even though I wasn't part of, the youth groups where those conversations were happening, I think I, it, was always a, it was always there. But not until um, getting into my 20s did I really warm up to, okay, there are all these faith traditions out there. Um, this one is the one I'm closest to. So rather than running away from it, let me at least check out what it has to offer. And so, uh, yeah, I'm in a season now of Learning more about Christianity, about Christ, and about um, all all the the big old message that comes with that. Um, but I also would not say today, June twenty fifth, twenty twenty one, that I am like all caps Christian. Um, I don't know what I am. I'm just curious, and I believe in yeah that there's a higher now.
0: Now let me <laughs> let me interrupt there because any friends of mine who might be devout in the Christian faith and in anyone listening, listen, my vocabulary is just, I feel like it's a uh, goulash. Like it's just, it's just been infused with everything. And, and I'll use some things and people will interpret it one way, but but some of my friends who, who are devout, and I don't want to say devout Christians because not all devout Christians do this, who are devout in, in evangelical, I've got to win this person to my side, right? Mm-hmm. The moment that you say, I wouldn't call myself devout or I wouldn't call myself Christian as of this day. One of them might interrupt you and say, oh, but don't you worry. You will be right. Like there's that. And <laughs> we'll it's like, always really, find you. Right. Oh, and it's like, oh, and they wink, wink, nod, nod. Oh, he's just there. Oh, we just need to get him there on Sunday morning to come down the aisle. <laughs> and, and so like that's where that's where that mind goes to. <laughs> But yeah. let me say this because I think it's a great segue uh, into Molly mentioned the checking of the boxes and what about this and Trent you're talking about the the openness right like you're talking about man I'm at four years I'm four years old and I'm walking around Japan and and er, I didn't know that I was that I was uh, forecasting when I said Shint earlier but I was leading up to the Shinto so there's where the Shint came from <laughs> truly pressing Shinto yeah see. So you're sitting there at four years old, and it has an impact on you. And I think that's the power of spirit. Now, I'm going to have some friends that will say, well, what do you mean by spirit? It needs a name. And I'm going to say, I think we're okay with spirit right now. And whatever you need spirit to be, if you need it to be God, if you need it to be Buddha, if you need it to be Netflix, (laughs) I'm not insecure about that right now. And I'm not denying anyone's faith right now but I just need you to put that on the shelf for a second. It, at some point for me, and I think it was around maybe 2016, uh, so by that point I've got 40 years of, of living what, would, what most would consider an evangelical Christian faith. And at that point, uh, can I share a story about uh, Wrightsville Beach? Would that be would that be okay appropriate at is this it, time?
2: Is this the is this the beach chair story? Yes. We might ask you to share it again later on, but yeah.
0: Okay, so there there came a point in my walk where I realized that this had become and I'll, I'll, we can we can do Rightsful beach later. I'll I'll hold on it. Um, there came a point in my faith where um, where I was just exhausted from from the cliches I was exhausted from the to-do list I was exhausted from the performance model now what was ironic was I'm working at School of the Arts at the same time which is a what type of arts conservatory a performing arts conservatory where it's all about performance and if you're not performing, then you're not an artist, or you're you're not passionate enough to be here. And the the similarities between uh, the 19th and 20th century conservatory model of performance, 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 and the similarity uh, of that with the evangelical Christian faith of. Are you doing enough? Are you doing enough? And and so let's let's look at the boxes. If we were to create, um, and I have my uh, my notepad here with the the dot grid, I would create a list of to dos. And and I'm going to oversimplify, but bear with me. And you guys jump in. I I want you sure. I want this to be dialogue. I don't want it to be. Yeah. Uh, but I think of I think of the boxes that I had created as a, as a kid, as a teenager that kind of followed me through and it was and things you, that
2: resemble, go ahead. And when you say that, you mean, you know, imagining that there's this giant checklist of things that if you do these things, you will be good and you will, you will go to the good place when you die. But right, there are all these right. things and each one has a little checkbox and you've got to check that box. Otherwise you're going to the bad place. Well, and
0: what, in what you just said. What is what is the end game? What's the end goal there? Say it again.
2: To go to the
0: good place. To go to the good place, right? Because that's what this whole thing, it's what the whole kit and caboodle of joining this team and signing up for the the lifelong membership is to go to the good place. Which, so let's let me work back to if I have my to do list and the to do list end game. Is all about the um, the going to the good place. Here's what the to-do list might look like, and it could vary depending on your denomination, affiliation, or location on the globe. Uh, for uh, for rural Appalachia, um, uh, a church kids list might look like uh, doing my devotion today. My devotions and a, a devotions might be. Uh, your little book called "My Upmost for His Highest" by Oswald Chambers, and it entails a scripture verse reading. <laughs> it entails uh, this this life application of it. It might be uh, Jesus Calling, which is this neat little reading that that people have on their nightstand. Um, it would include obviously attending some form of corporate worship, right? Like um, uh, Sunday morning. Uh, Sunday evening. Now, if you're really cutting edge, or if you're really on the progressive front, you might do a home church. And so we have gatherings in our living room on Sunday mornings, or we do it online. I'm just going to let that sink in for a second. We did it online. We have arrived. We have online church. All right. It might it might entail how many how many people how many friends did I win to the Lord this year? And so December 31st arrives, and I look back at my little to-do list. How many times did I miss church? How many times did I—I I had my uh, my Bible app on my phone, and it says that out of 365 devotions, I only did 30. Fail. <laughs> Fail. <laughs> right? You right only like, I mean, like, that's the... it. I, yeah. I only—like, right now, as I open— because Keelan and I are doing this reading plan together. And I think about, like, Steve 20 years ago, what he would be saying to Steve today. And when I open it, God, I'm so embarrassed by this. Uh, as we are 96 days into the calendar year, and out of—this is all oh, the irony here is is not wasted on me. 96 days, I have missed 69 days.
1: Nice.
2: I have missed so- more than I've completed. So I I think Steve you and I are wired similarly in some ways. So if you look at that, your brain immediately goes to percentage, right? And so that's, you know, you're under 40% in a way. And like you wouldn't you wouldn't pass a test in school at 40%. And it's easy for that to carry exactly. over to uh yeah, oh, 40% because well, that that's not going to pass. That's not going to get me to the good place.
0: Now, so what? So what we did was was somewhere along the lines, and I was having this conversation uh, um, with my mother in law this morning. Is I can I can ask some questions, and people automatically know. And so I would say, what determines if I'm a good Christian or a bad Christian? If I've hit eighty percent. Well, I think the average person would say, Steve, it needs to be more than it is less, so at least 60%. Like, oh, my gosh. And so now what I've got to do is is I've got to rush through this app, and I've got to at least get it up to 50%. Right?
1: Even if that means that you didn't really read the... (laughs) Yes, exactly.
0: Oh, my gosh. You're you're binging scripture. Yes, because I've got to check the box. All right? Now, so, so we, we're checking the boxes, right? And so now, here's the thing. My son's Little League Championship. I don't have a son. not. I don't want people all of a sudden to go, wait a minute, Steve has a son? What? Was he previously married? Was there a, a, an adulterous relation? No, I don't have a son. If my child, I have a daughter, so let's go there. If my daughter's softball championship landed on a Sunday... I can't check the box. And which box is more important? Attending my daughter's softball championship or being at church on Sunday to hear the missionary share from their experiences? And my daughter... And so growing up, it was, we're at church because that's what you do. Uh What was interesting was the field where my championships were played, made this triangle from the trailer park to the, to the soccer field and baseball field to the church. And all of these were in walking distance to one another. And so sometimes my mom might even show me some grace. Well, my mom always showed me grace. But sometimes my mom would be really cutting edge, and I would squeeze in a soccer game and getting to church on Wednesday night. Because they were within walking distance. But God forbid the kid that lives 30 minutes out of town, well, he's just going to split hell wide open for going to his Little League championship every year, right? I mean, (laughs) and here's the other thing. Here's the other boxes. Like, these are the boxes that began to blow my mind when I was about 40 years into this. When we would say, well, okay, so to Trent's point, well, it's all about going to the good place. I love that we're just calling it the good place and not heaven, so people are looking at Ted Danson and Kristen Bell's show, The Good Place. <laughs> it's um, such a good show. <laughs> I haven't watched it. I need to check it out. It's kind but, of funny. So it's, so it's all about the good place. It's all about getting to the good place. And so what we do is, is somewhere along the line, and, and it's I think it's a conditioning of, of our upbringing and, and just our way of thinking, the human brain, is... Everything becomes a box, right? So the box is, uh, I think of a flow chart. Like this is where my my brain goes, if this, then that. So how do you get to go to the good place? Well, did you say, and we called it the ABCs of salvation, Hmm. A, did you admit that you're a sinner? B, did you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? And C, did you confess your sins? Well, immediately where my brain would go is what about the guy on his deathbed? And he only made it from A to B, but then his last breath happened before he got to C. Does he make it into heaven, or the good place? Right. All right. So then we would say, well, what about, what about the the kid who, uh, oh my gosh, got killed in a car accident? Did he go to heaven? Well, and and this, what if if I were to ask you based on what you know. If someone asked you that question, say in your upbringing, what would been the what was the answer you were given? If a kid got killed in a car wreck, did they make it to heaven or hell? Trent, what was what would be the answer you were probably given?
2: Uh, depending which which friend I would I was hanging out with at the time, one school of okay. thought is uh, well, I hate to say it, but you know if they didn't if they didn't do the ABCs, then you know what that means. Yeah. Sucks for them. Yeah. Molly, what about? Yeah.
1: Well, for me and see, this is where like I give my parents a lot of credit because my mom especially always wanted to meet people with compassion, and so the conversation probably would have gone somewhere along the lines of like, "Well, we don't really know," but she you, was young. Thank you, Ms. McLennan. Yeah. Yeah. But he was young, you know, like we just pray for their family. So let me
0: tell tell you where it went for me and what confirmed it was this morning as I was having this conversation uh, with my mom-in-law. When I asked her that question, she goes, well, was he 12? Mm. I had grown up hearing about this age of accountability, and I'm giving air quotes. And the age of accountability was always 12 or 13. So, I've never if, heard that yeah, me either. Oh, yeah. So, this was, so this is, this is huge where I'm from. And, and, uh, my in laws are, are from the same area that I grew up in. The, did he reach the age of accountability? And so the box was think of the flow chart. Passed away. Did he make it to heaven or hell? The next box is what age was he, 12 or under? If he was under 12, he gets a free pass. He's in. If he's 12 or up, did it, had he prayed? I mean, like, this is how specific this thing got. Wow. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, here's another box. And everything became a box. And, I'm, and I'll, I'll probably say this multiple times in our conversations, but everything about my faith—and this isn't true of everyone, but it's true of so many friends that I know and family—that everything was about a box— it was checking boxes. It was a box of Christian or sacred and secular. Mm-hmm. Is that Christian music or is that secular music? Right? And that's either or. It's either or. You either got in or you didn't. Mm-hmm. Okay? I think, of, I think of even the way that we worshipped was in a big, giant box. And it had a little steeple on top. The the creator of the universe that we said is who is beyond our comprehension. Who we can never fully grasp or concept. We even create a box to put the creator in. And here's, here's what creator loves. Creator loves Republicans. Creator dislikes Democrats. Unless they're blue dog Democrats. And I'm being facetious here. But, it, but we really go this simplistic in our thinking. And if you don't believe it, look at your family members' Facebook pages. Well, yeah. God was pro-Trump. God doesn't like – well, God hasn't liked Democrats since the 50s. I have family members who would say, right, well, and then when we begin to unpack that, we talk about are they pro-life? And I would say – and so so being in the past 12 years – Right? Of sitting in an environment and hearing. Now, some people would say Steve has lost his faith. Steve Steve is is no longer of the Christian faith. Steve has watered down the gospel message. The gospel message, for those of you who aren't familiar with the gospel message, that that Christ came and gave his life so that you could go to the good place, right? Like these boxes as long as. of As long as you've said A, B, and C. Now, there was one group, uh, one church in our community and and this would be true it's not it's not one group that's only from Southwest Virginia. Uh, it's a it's a belief that um, that you may have done a B and C, but if you haven't been dunked in water aka baptized, if you don't get fully submerged under the water and back up, you don't go to the good place. Yeah. So I have a family member, who believes that her dad who passed away when he passed away he says i accept jesus gave his last breath boom he dies she says he didn't he didn't make it to heaven we didn't get him underwater in time we couldn't get we couldn't get him to the lake i have family members who in the winter time january sunday night i accept jesus immediately we're going to walk him outside we're going to dunk him in the river in january oh my gosh because because god is waiting with his his check his checklist did we get him fully underwater and again the oversimplification that i'm giving here is more symbolic that do we really say and and, and let me go on one more tangent and that is when we talk about in politics, we'll talk about somebody being pro-life, and that's how God decides who God's going to vote for in the election or who God wants to win the election. And as I begin to process this, and all of this came from a moment that—this um, uh, this moment where I just came to this point in my faith uh, where the whole thing blew up, right? It wasn't—well, I won't even go there. Um, but from that, I just started asking these types of questions where, really, this is— and so somewhere along the way we started making this creator that's beyond our comprehension, that's beyond explanation, we started making the creator look eerily similar to us. Mm. Well, I'm 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 anti-guns. I'm not anti-guns, but I'm saying if I am anti-guns, I'm not pro-guns either. See? Cuz I got to be either or. <laughs> but all of a sudden whatever I like is what creator likes, whatever I hate is what God hates. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden this 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 being, this supreme being, this divine force that's beyond comprehension, all of a sudden fits into my box on an eight and a half by eleven page. Yeah, and that was the moment that for me when I when I really started digesting, processing this, and Molly, you mentioned earlier about, oh, it's okay to have doubts. What's interesting to me is faith isn't faith unless you have doubt there. I don't. I don't need faith when I'm confident, because I know it's going to happen. Faith is only yeah. faith to me when I have absolutely no idea if this prayer is going to be answered, if this thought, this hope, this wish that I'm putting out there, I have no idea if it's going to come true. But I'm going to put it out there and believe for the best. That's faith.
1: Yeah, and that um, there is like mystery in what you don't know, and it's good.
0: Yes. And, I, and I'm okay with mystery because mystery's beyond my comprehension.
1: Yeah.
2: And that too, I mean, I think that's a shortcoming of the oversimplification of how we portray this higher power is starting with the assumption. We have everything figured out that there is to figure out about God, the universe, Jesus, salvation, damnation. We have it all figured out and we're going to deliver the checklist to you. So you don't have to think about any of it. You don't have to sit yes. with an ambiguous mystery and ponder the infinite size of grace and love. Just make sure you do these things. And by the way, offering plates coming around before the end of the service.
0: Unbelievable. Yeah.
2: Unbelievable. Um,
0: and now listen, there's actually biology to this. And then and then I you know, we can we'll kind of reset for a second. But the biology is, is we know that our, we know that the human brain is is constantly looking to self preserve. How can it conserve calories? It's a survival mechanism, right? And so the reason let let's give everyone the grace to say, of course, you want to accept what's written on the card, on the membership card, because now I don't have to think about it. I I don't I don't always I don't think there's always manipulation, manipulative intent behind it. Like I don't think that right. we have a bunch of we do have a lot of maniacal leaders and egotistical leaders that are looking for their self gain, but I also think that it's human nature to say that your, that your brain is saying, I want to conserve calories, just explain it to me. Because if I have to think and process and digest this, that's going to burn up a lot of fuel, and that isn't. That isn't conserving the energy. That's not self-preservation, and that's where that's where our brain goes. That's how we were designed. It's how our body has evolved. That's where we are. And so, yeah. let's give it. Let's give people a free pass to say, "Hey, it's only natural that you that you want to say." Well, well, then, what is the answer? Because I don't want to have to think about it.
1: Yeah. yeah, and there's comfort in the answered, and there's discomfort in the unanswered.
0: Absolutely. But yeah. but in discomfort is where our faith grows.
1: Yeah.
2: And that's, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I have I've a few dots I think I can connect live, uh, live in front of our studio audience in our closet. And that is, Steve, what you're talking about, this biological need to conserve energy, save calories, reduce brain work. Therefore, we go to what is the checklist that we go down uh, to make sure that we attain salvation. But I think just as self-awareness is the thing that separates our species from all the other aminals in the animal cracker box, um, there is the ability to hold the yes and, as you spoke about earlier. And there is the ability to acknowledge that there are spectrums rather than black and white. And that spectral thinking is where the really interesting stuff comes out. Right? Absolutely. Because We've all got our relatives um, who are posting X, Y, and Z on Facebook, and that is coming from a place of it's black or it's white. You voted for Trump, you voted for Biden. You're going to heaven, you're going to hell. Black lives matter, all lives matter. Go to church on Sunday, talk to God when you feel like it's the time, right? And so we're going to touch mainly on, I think, the spiritual in these conversations. But that idea of spectral thinking... I guess, quote unquote, is something that can be carried to a lot of questions we have right now in our relationships, communities, ideas about how society is structured. Because I think uh, we can all agree that we're living through history right now. And these are these conversations we're having are just a microcosm of what I'm sure a lot of people are experiencing. Oh, yeah. and hopefully this can be, yeah, um, uh, some sort of lighthouse or... At least a flashlight, <laughs> and, and, just and a you know, in and, and, and,
0: space, and, and the yeah. the piece is. I think the piece that, and, and I I don't have I don't have language for the emotions that I feel, but um, as we've as we've had these conversations, because I've um, the conversations that the three of us have had uh, over the past few years have been. Not only what you guys have described as a safe space for you, but as a safe space for me. In that, when I would try to have, or when I would um, kind of do some of this processing aloud with friends, um, uh, especially ones that I've that I've had um, uh, friendships with, like since childhood, who who also grew up in those similar moments, when I would say. Uh, or when I would process these things, the resistance that I would get was shocking yes. in the sense of it was almost like don't don't pull that string. You know, like I think about don't pull that string on my sweater because we've all seen the cartoon of what happens when you begin pulling the string and the whole sweater comes unraveled. And I would start to pull on, what about this? Like I'm really, and I'm not coming at it from an antagonistic like trying to provoke you into something, I'm just really processing it aloud, like in the sense of, well, when we talk about pro-life, whose life? The, the 12-year-old rape victim? The, the um, repeat offender on death row? Or the fetus? Like, we talk about pro-life, I'm really trying to process this, and immediately I get this visceral reaction of how dare you question yeah how dare you and i and i'm and i'm shocked by the resistance by the insecurity even of wait a minute if we can't ask these questions then where does faith come in right yeah. and all of a sudden when you when you start to just push on one of the walls of a box how it's a house of cards and the whole thing and i'm i would encourage anyone listening to to lean into those moments because my experience over these past few years have been as I've leaned into those moments versus cover my ears, cover my eyes, you know, hear no mm-hmm. doubt, see no doubt type thing, right? Yeah. As yeah. I've leaned into those moments, I've only felt a deeper connection with the creator mm-hmm. and deeper connection with uh, with all that that I have believed in the beginning. So it's not even that to, it's not even a linear piece, right? Like when I think about the invitation that we're talking about here, this invitation into this conversation, I think about this spiral. Like what, what, what would be the language for what type of, is that a concentric spiral? What is that? It's not a concentric. It's one of those. Like a double helix, like DNA. You know, well, it's like, it's, uh, it starts real small in the middle and then expands out. I'll have to, have to put some imagery, uh, attach it to this podcast, but instead of it being this uh, this linear of I once was here and now I'm here, and I'm really far away from where I began, it's that spiral of, hey, I'm 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 still a stone's throw away, and and that stone's throw away being that that space of, I still believe what I believe, and that is let me just get it out there because everybody's going to be dying and maybe we maybe we clip this part and we put it at the very end to make everybody listen to the 382 episodes that we have planned. <laughs> and so it's the it's the cliffhanger like what is what is he saying? Right. <laughs> that is I think that Jesus Christ was the the uh the 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 humanity, the mankind, the the flesh version of divinity and Not for the sake of saying, hey, join my team, get a jersey, go to the good place. Because that wasn't what it was about. It was about, let me show you, let me model for you how to love others. And it was so, it's so funny to me that we can get so hung up on everything that we believe. And people will call themselves Christian, but yet when we talk about what he modeled, what he lived, what it was all about we've become almost the antithesis of it. How is a God who is inviting suddenly about exclusivity?
2: Yeah. And that God too, when you're in a situation as a parent where you're faced between do we go to church on Sunday morning or do I take my daughter to her softball game because it's really important to her? You know, there are two, uh, two scenarios based on uh, at least two schools of thought. One set, one that I think we've alluded to where we, we put God in a box, says like, no, your ass needs to be in a pew by 9 a.m. Otherwise, that's points off. And an alternative or a different version, a different place on the spectrum is, well, you love your daughter, so do what you need to do to honor that and church yeah. will be there next Sunday. Absolutely. And
1: what... What matters more is how you are loving people outside of church.
0: Yes, and 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 but as humans, we like to swing to one side of the spectrum or the other, right? So we're the you have the traveling softball dad who hasn't been to church in three years because we have softball every Sunday, and and she's got to win this NCAA scholarship uh, by age nine. Which is you, so, obviously, yeah, yeah. So creator it's just doesn't are understand good. me. <laughs> well, you know, uh, the Fighting Pickles are uh, looking to recruit her for their <laughs> softball team. The Fighting Pickles, yeah. everyone just happens to be the mascot for the University of North Carolina School of the Arts, which has no athletic official athletic Go uh, pickles. teams. Go Pickles! Yeah, sports team. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and so, so we, but we like to live in in that one end, and that's what we do. We we run to the to the ends of the spectrum. Um. And again, that's either-or thinking, not both-and.
1: Yeah, which leaves no room for the complexity of humans and life.
2: It's a good good stopping Sorry. point.
1: I think so, yeah. yeah.
2: I think as we continue with this yes-and, uh, yes, we will be talking more about faith and God. And uh, I think a big piece of this, Steve, is your story. And so as we continue to unravel this particular sweater, um, you've had more life experience than we have. And so anecdotes from your life will also be a prominent part of this conversation. And the names will be changed to protect the guilty
0: (laughs) and the innocent. (laughs) (laughs) Protect everybody. Yeah. Okay. Okay.